out of 18, I'll give you two holes where I give you something. That's it. <laughs> This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. BYU football practice continues currently, actually. The Cougars getting ready for game number one against Sam Houston State. In the meantime, my one-on-one -on -one interview with Fessy Satake brings with it a look into what this new-look group has done to impress him, not just in his receiver's room, but on the offense entirely. A potential golf rivalry with one of the players he's immediately coaching, and how many guys are going to be in the rotation when the actual games begin. Here's Fessy Satake one-on-one on BYU Sports Nation. Fessy, we're roughly four days into training camp, and I know it's tough in that very short amount of time, but... Where do you feel like you've seen the team progress and bond in those four days? I, um, with all the new transfers we have, we have been we have executed very very cleanly. Um, it's been sloppy most fall camp uh, fall camp practices early. When when I'm referring to sloppy, it's it's the the ingrained techniques of ball security. Like when you catch, tuck that thing right away. It's it's um, getting in a good stance. But in terms of execution. Man, our plays have been, I've been really, really pleased with that. The energy is super, super high. There's a lot of guys who are emerging as leaders. That happens a lot more naturally when you're together as a team, you're in the heat, you know, of, of the day and, and competing. It's been really cool to see a lot of guys um, just vocally and by example take charge and, and take lead. And so I've been really happy so far with, with how our offense has looked. Kalani made it very clear in practice number one, it's a very different feel, and that's understandable because there are more than 50 new faces on the roster and then a new defensive staff. So, yeah, it certainly feels different. How, is, how has it felt different for you? Well, first, obviously, is just kind of the, the new waters, you know, we're, we're treading now headed into the, the Big 12. There's that natural excitement. Um, to that point, we have so many new bodies in, and uh, there's just this, this elevated expectation of just getting everyone on the same page to uh, have a seamless transition. Um, and then, you know, lastly, we just, there's, it's, it's every year at the beginning, it just, there's this energy that's unmatched. You can't get it anywhere else until you start to practice. You get with all the guys, you, you, you start hitting around like that. That's just every year you're going to feel this, like this new energy. And so I don't know with all those factors, I feel the same way. It's, there's just a special um, excitement in the air and, and uh, I hope we keep feeling that all the way through camp. What's the secret to keeping that energy like? Day nine or ten. Yeah, it has to come from within with the players, coaches. We, you, you know, you can say all you want, but you can't pull that type of energy. And so I think you have to be very intentional on keeping the morale high, keeping the guys fresh. It's that fine line of, of keeping these guys fresh um, and not kind of overworking them, um, keeping things excited, keeping things new, switching up practice, making your meeting rooms a little bit different, uh, empowering the guys. And then as you come out and compete, that energy just kind of naturally uh, comes out. And sometimes as coaches, we do have to kick them and remind them. Um, especially as you get a week or two into camp. But, uh, man, like I said, one thing I've been really uh, impressed with is that leadership and that energy. And so we have more volume of guys than I think we've had in the past that are able to do that, and they'll kind of make up for each other and pick up each other's slack if, uh, if someone's maybe not as energetic that day. And so I, I think that's how you just got to – you kick them in the right moments, but the hope is that you're doing things outside of the field to keep, keep the morale high and the players will bring it out. 
Let's talk about the new leaders emerging specifically within the wide receivers room. You've got the core three, Chase Roberts, Cody Epps, Keanu Hill, but then you had Darius Lassiter and Keelan Marion, and then some young guys that I know you're very excited about. Who are the leaders that are emerging or taking a larger role in the wide receivers room? Yeah, those first three for sure. Um, you know, Cody, Chase, and Keanu are, are um, have always been leaders, you know, and, and they're taking a, an extra leadership role this year. Talmadge Gunther is um, – is an absolute leader in every single way and you know how many reps that equates to on the field and all that is fall that that's to be determined but i can tell you that you ask any receiver in our room talmadge gunther is is he's kind of the patriarch in our room um just he has a lot of life experience um he has two kids uh which you know is different <laughs> than the rest but um he he epitomizes just being committed to a process and and not worrying about the results and working and showing up and being the same guy every day and you always want those guys uh, in your room and, and I, I would definitely give Talmadge that. Maybe you just answered the question but is there anyone that has surprised you among the wide receivers group in the first four days? Um, man it's hard man I could I could name a lot of names I'll say um, Parker Kingston of the young guys right now is is really really impressing me. Is it because he's good at golf Essie? Um, no, that's actually that's more reason to to not say his name because I feel threatened now. We got competition, but uh, no, he's just really done a good job. He was he was a guy at the very end of last year that we were starting to get in some reps, and in the bowl game he ended up getting a jet sweep or something. But he's just someone that's that's really getting a hold of the offense, and we know how dynamic he was as a player in high school, and that's starting to show now that he's uh, he's getting real comfortable with the playbook. Outstanding. I think every BYU fan wants to know a little bit more about the two transfer newcomers who you expect to make an impact this year, and yeah. Keelan Marion and Darius Lassiter. What have you seen first specifically from Keelan early in camp that you like? Yeah, Keelan, you can tell when he's out here, there's nowhere else he'd rather be. Like, he loves the game of football. He plays with intensity, with passion, um, very vocal. Um, gets the guys up you know if he feels the energy down you just you can tell he's an energy guy um and he's he's made a lot of really good plays he's really twitchy bursty and and um has a lot of shake and wiggle after the catch and so i've been really impressed with him just me wondering is he a guy that we could see on kickoff return at some point yeah absolutely he's taking reps at kick oh. return right now yep yep him parker kingston falau rapati hobbs we got a lot of guys who are good natural ball carriers that can you know don't dance around and can and can hit the gap and keelan's one of those guys and now Darius, what do you like and what have you seen from Darius in the first four days? Darius is the opposite in terms of personality of Keelan when he's on the field. Um, in the Off the field, he's super goofy. He's loud and he's the guy in the locker room joking. But when he's on the field, he's very just in his element, kind of in the zone, quiet, really, really smooth, fluid. He has some of the most natural, strong hands um, that I've seen since I've been coaching here. He's done a, done a really, really good job as well. And so both those two, there's no doubt, as long as they stay on the trajectory they're on, they're going to make a lot of plays for us this fall. Okay, we'll finish with two quick hitters. If you could identify this group in a word or two, which words would you choose to describe the wide receivers? Um, diverse uh, in one and every way you can think of. Diverse, which I absolutely, absolutely love, and selfless. It is so hard for a receivers group of 15 people with the depth that we have and the quality of depth that we have to stay really, really tight. I think these guys have found the magic and it's a credit to them of how to stay competitive, how to compete for something you want, but not at the expense of personal relationships. And I've, I, I love those guys for that even more and it's, it's a blessing to be their coach. And then finally, as the passing game coordinator and working closely with Aaron Roderick, how many receivers do you expect to regularly play and be in the rotation on game day? Yeah. As of right now, like there's, 
there's like eight guys I have that I'm like feeding um, equal amount of reps to. We're intentionally just rotating a lot and getting a lot of guys reps. I will say in about a week and a half to two, as we start to really break up and into scout teams and get a little more game specific, I'll have a much better gauge on that exact number because it could literally be six or seven right now. By the end of fall, that could be down to four or five. So, so it's kind of, I think it's going to be that four to six number um, in the very end. And who that is right now, obviously, is, is working itself out. That's the fun part. Yeah. Fessy, we appreciate the time and how busy you are. Wish you the best of luck the rest of training camp. That's cool. Appreciate you as always. And we're looking forward to the Parker Kingston Fessy Satake duel on the, the golf course. The match with the you match. and Jerem. Let's go. Oh, right. Let's go. I get you. Parker Parker would have to carry us. Parker and Jerem. <laughs> Fessy and I'll give you like out of 18, I'll give you two holes where I give you something. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do that. That's he's a great fun. personality. And, he, I mean, he said four to six guys in the main rotation. Okay, f as few as four feels like small spins. I could see six. Yeah, but these five and then the sixth spot is very interesting. Maybe it's is Parker, that Parker Kingston, Kingston, who he said has been the surprise of fall camp thus far. Or, or is it Dom Henry that's emerging? He loves Talmadge Gunther. How are they going to utilize Talmadge Gunther other than punt returns? Well, that's Hobbs Nyberg. Sorry, Hobbs Nyberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, and... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, so you have the three incumbents, you have the two transfers. Those are the main five right there. Like, if, it, if you told me right now it's those five, I'm like, I'm ready. I'm good. Like, Marion and Lassiter need an opportunity here to show what they have. Like, you see Keelan Marion's numbers. That's in one game against Utah State, I believe, where he broke his collarbone. You hear my conversation with him uh, coming up. Um, and, and Lassiter is a guy who, physical. Like, he's, he's like one of those Chase Roberts types. Like, yes. down that Puka Nakua uh, uh, road of skill type. Um, not that skilled quite yet, but getting down there. I like those five. We were worried walking into the offseason that BYU just had those three. They added Keelan Marion, yeah. who's looking for an opportunity, certainly, and then uh, Darius Lassiter. I'm, I'm confident in that group. They don't need a lot of the young guys to really get a ton of time. But... Crap happens, injuries and whatnot, so you need some of those guys to be ready. Now, you addressed some of the superlatives within the group, I believe, during your interviews that we're going to see later this week with Keanu Hill and Keelan Marion, like who has the best hands. Loudest, uh, fastest. Loudest, yes, guy. things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Fessy was commenting on all of those as the players answered to you, and he's like, no, nah, that's not true. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, 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 I want that, those it's answers. That it's that guy. We'll air those probably this week because <laughs> we have uh, in the chamber we have Keanu Hill, and Keelan Marion, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, exciting. So we can discuss some of those answers after we have the superlatives revealed in those Let's interviews. Okay, if you missed any previous fall camp interviews, conversations we've had, if you want to go watch the Brett Yormark interview that we had uh, about a month ago or so, Deep Blues and so on, go to BYUSN.com or download the free BYU TV app. Up next, how much are you looking forward to potentially as a BYU fan for that trip to Morgantown? Because Arizona State's athletic director wants no part of West Virginia. Plus, we got the coaches pull out. How many Big 12 teams? Ooh, here we go. This is BYU Sports Nation. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out our Monday headlines. The Big 12 adds Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to the league in 2024 to get the total number up to 16. The Cougars yep. played and beat all three in 2021. Side note. And we're in the whack together 
until 1977. BYU President Shane Reese and BYU Athletic Director Tom Holm will have comments. Here's President Reese. We're excited to now welcome Arizona, Arizona State and Utah to the Big 12, in addition to Colorado. Having 16 member institutions will be a great strength to the conference moving forward. Tom Holm, I'm grateful to the Big 12 leadership for seeing this through. The conference keeps getting stronger. We are thankful to add more Big 12 rivals in closer proximity. Here's Brett Yormark, Commissioner of the Big 12. The Big 12 Board of Directors has voted unanimously to admit Arizona State, Arizona, and Utah to the Big 12 Conference. We're thrilled to welcome Arizona, uh, Arizona State and Utah to the Big 12. The conference gaining three premier institutions, both academically and athletically. And the entire Big 12 looks forward to working alongside their presidents, athletic directors, student athletes, and administrators. There we go. We're not done yet, Jaron, because the coaches poll is out. Yes, it is. So we look at um, you know teams that will be in the Big 12 next year. Texas at, uh, well, not Texas next year. Okay, Texas this year. So either in 2023 okay, or 2024. Is, we got a weird mix here. <laughs> Texas is at 12, Utah's at 14, TCU's at 16, Kansas State at 17, 19 Oklahoma, 24 Texas. Okay. Basically, teams okay. that UIU will or could play uh -huh. in the next two seasons. Uh huh. Well, even if you take out Texas, uh, or sorry, even if you take out Utah, right? There are still five teams that BYU will be competing against in the Big 12 Conference this year that are in the top 25. Yes, BYU got two votes, meaning two at number 25 or one at 24. Holy cow. Uh, so I had uh, dinner with Tom Homo on Saturday night, yes. and the uh, first question to it me was... It wasn't just Tom, just so we're all... some others. Yeah, yeah but he's, the first question to me was, hey, uh, well, what's new? Anything going on? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I wish Shane Reese would have been the only one to vote no on Utah, just to be funny. <laughs> It was not unanimous. Does it have to be unanimous? I, I don't know. I think rules. maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, doesn't matter now. <laughs> Week two of BYU football training camp continues for the Cougars. Offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick spoke with the media about BYU's offense establishing an identity in camp. Here's what he said. We want to be a team that takes care of the ball. We want to be physical and we want to throw the ball down the field. And we'll generate explosive plays also through our run game. And, you know, we, but, uh, those things will never change. We have to, you, you, you can't score if you, if you don't take care of the ball, if you don't have it, right? And our offense is based on being physical. It starts there. We have a lot of big guys, physical guys that like contact. And so that, that's never going to change. And then it's hard to score if you don't get some chunk plays. You know, you can't, it's, it's, it's tough to go 14, 13 play drives, you know, for four quarters. You need, need some chunks in there somewhere. And so we're trying to generate those. It's not just the identity of this training camp, Jerem. That is the identity of every offense that Aaron Roderick coaches. Okay, I, There's no bigger fan of Aaron Roderick than this guy. Take like, care of the I, ball, be physical, yes. explosive plays. That's been the case since he's been in charge, right? Let's go. More of the same. Special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach Kelly Papinga also spoke with the media on Friday and discussed how he thinks the players are picking up on what is a new aggressive style defense. Energy's been good. Um, physicality the last two practices has been really good. I think our defense still still trying to learn our defense and learn our style of how we play and the physicality and toughness that we need to play with. But um, I thought today was a step forward from uh, yesterday. And uh, just, yeah, got to continue down the road of just being a, a violent, aggressive, physical football team that Coach Hill talks about all the time. And so, um, but the first four days I've been pleased. Yeah, I talked to Jay as well on uh, Saturday night and he said, the energy is so good right now. We're getting so much better and in a short time frame. So we got a chance to be pretty good this year. I heard violent. I like that. All right. Joey transfer guard Quez Glover enters the transfer portal after a few weeks in Provo. 
Glover figured to be in the mix for the starting point guard. The Cougars now have two scholarships still available <clears throat> for this season. And in better news, Cougars hired Michael Davey as the new director of strength and conditioning and sports science. Davey spent the past eight years as the senior strength and conditioning coach with the Milwaukee Bucks, NBA champ. The BYU women's soccer team hosted their blue and white scrimmage on Saturday night. The white team won 4-3. Allie Fryer scored twice for the blue side. Tylee Pratt, Bella Foligno, Brecken Mazingo, Aaron Bailey, and Ellie Ford were the other goal scorers. Their next exhibition match this Thursday against a really good Rutgers side. It happens in New Jersey. Oh, tough to play the Big Ten, Spence. BYU golfers in the Corn Ferry Tour Utah Championship. Cougar golfer Tyson Shelley finished tied for 12th at 17 under. 17 under? Yep. Recent grad Carson Lundell finished tied for 40th at 13 under. How about the amount of people between 13th and uh, 17 under? That's wild. Uh, what? 28 people? Very, very thin line as the margin That's of error. That's Parker Kingston territory. Woo! Uh, Daniel Schneeman, as we move to baseball news in AAA, 5 for 12 with another home run hit over the weekend. He's into double figures in home runs this season. Really good. Jackson Clough also went deep. He had a home run going two for six with two runs batted in over the weekend. Michael Rucker, who's been pitching for the Chicago Cubs, has been uh, reassigned to AAA for the Iowa Cubs. Since being uh, sent down, he made the start, went three scoreless innings, giving up just one hit and struck out two batters for the AAA Cubs. Derek Meek is on the select team for USA Basketball, essentially the practice squad for the World Cup roster. Meek and the Selects beat the roster twice in short scrimmages on Friday. You know we've gone too long when the music <laughs> lot. There's a lot going on, man. Those are today's headlines, sponsored by BYU Food To Go, the MVP of your next event. Now let's opinionate in the whip. The Cougar Whip Around is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. We referenced it. Here it is. Arizona State's Athletic Director Ray Anderson said the following over the weekend, I promise you I'm not making the trip to Morgantown, referring to West Virginia. What? Spencer, are you making the trip to Morgantown? Yes, and I can't wait. I can't wait either, whenever that opportunity comes. West Virginia is a beautiful state. And What's it's your it's problem. One of the the ideal college football settings and scenarios in the entire country. I want West Virginia to be like, you know where I'm not going where it's 114 right now? Tempe, Arizona. Holy cow. What? Like, I just don't why? Why say that? Why Even walk if you into feel a that just don't fire a shot like that? Don't say that. Now every West Virginia fan hates you. They all hate Arizona State because of that comment. And Keaton Slovis. Good grief. Gambling Gauchos. <laughs> Super fun, guys. Super funny account. Posted on X over the weekend. This photo of Kyle Whittingham from his playing days at BYU calling him a Big 12 legend. Is Whittingham, in fact, <laughs> a Big 12 legend? As a BYU player? Sure. As a Utah coach? <laughs> no. That's funny. I, I remember in the early days of the WCC, they were like, Jim or Fredette, one of the WCC's grouses. Sorry, what? Yeah, is Jimmer Fredette now going to be inducted into the Big 12 Hall of Fame? Uh, <laughs> maybe. Hogan Coos caught on camera making another oh, fantastic boy. catch at Rams training camp. Only two former Cougs have more than 500 receiving yards in a career in the NFL. That's wild. Austin Collie, Golden Richards. Will Pook have more than 500 this season, potentially? Maybe, because the Rams don't have that deep of a receiver core, Jerem. Yeah. Like, they need Puka Nakua. That's why they drafted it. So, yeah, Puka Nakua might go over 500 yards this season and become the third ever BYU Cougar to hit 500 plus. He, he very well could, man. Let's go. In a career. That's unbelievable. Um, anyway, yeah, he's getting all sorts of attention. Really, really cool to watch him do his thing. Puka doing Puka things, right? Love Coming up, we hear from you and what you think after you've processed through the five stages of grief of rivals re-entering the conference with BYU in the Big 12. Where do you stand with all of that? This is BYU Sports Nation.
The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station live from Studio B. Joining us now is the woman you just saw in that highlight video. All-American setter star Whitney Bauer is live so good, man. from the first practice of the 2023 BYU women's volleyball season. Whitney, welcome to the show. Uh, first What's question. What's up? Yeah, yeah, what is up? How, how How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. You bet. Which practice drill have we so kindly excused you from right now? Right now it's defense, which I should probably getting reps in, but that's okay. So, <laughs> but it's okay. They're they're doing good. Amy Gant has called you the best defensive setter in the country. Basically, like on tips, you just gobble those up. When was that a priority to be good at that for you? That's so nice. I think always because I've always been a little bit undersized. I was like, okay, well, you know what? If I'm not going to be big in the front row, I'll be big in the back row. And I don't know. That's just been my mentality since since then. It's fun to watch because there's no easy tip for any team. You can't just tip on Whitney Bauer, which is great. Okay, Whitney, Thank outs- you. That's outs- so kind. outside of the defensive drills that you are missing right now, so maybe we should apologize actually for that. Uh, <laughs> okay. How is practice going overall? What's the vibe of practice number one for this new season? It's good. It's good. We're just kind of going through some breakdown stuff. We're kind of going through our warm-ups and how our warm-ups will be every single day going into the gym, so... I love our practices because it's all about repetition. And, um, yeah, so right now everything's just super breakdown. We went over serving. We went over passing. And right now defense. But so far it's going good so far, yeah. Okay, it's exciting because it's this is a, a senior group uh, with some All-Americans returning yourself, Aaron Livingston at outside hitter, Whitney Larinus at middle blocker. Aria McComer's been starting for like five mm-hmm. years now at Washington State. And BYU, you bring in some really talented players as well. There's going to be some fun battles. What do you want to see out of fall camp to get ready for another massive match with Pitt? I think just being as scrappy as possible because, like you said, we have some returners and we have some really, really great leadership and some girls fill those roles immensely. And so I think just being super scrappy in the back row is going to help us a ton going and moving forward into the Big 12. The All-American setter Whitney Bauer is on BYU Sports Nation. We've asked a few of your teammates the same question, but interested to hear your take. When you see a preseason coaches poll, and BYU is the newbie, they're a newcomer in the Big 12, but you're picked to finish second, how do you feel about that designation? Because it's not quite number one, so it could bother you, but also yeah. as a newcomer, like maybe second's pretty good. How do, how do you kind of work through that and process that? I'm going to give the most generic answer. You already know what I'm going to say. It doesn't matter that we're ranked number second, but I think it just lights some fire under our butts because if we are the newcomers, I think I'd rather be ranked last going into it, but that's okay. I think that we are going to prove that Julie's freaking awesome at volleyball and we're going to come in and do our thing. You said two things that really resonated with me there. You need a fire under your butt sometimes. <laughs> and BYU volleyball is freaking yeah. awesome. Amen to that. I felt something Amen. inside of me uh, right there. <laughs> this recruiting class is top 10. They're really good. Um, very excited about Claire Little from California. 
the, the Mountain View 2 of Brielle Miller and Mia Lee and mm -hmm. Selena Damuni, of course. Damuni, Brielle Camavore is going to be awesome as well. And then, uh, of course, uh, Kamali Hiapo, BJ uh, was her older brother who played for the men. I got to know him. That, those are some nice mm -hmm. newcomers. What are you hoping for out of that, those newcomers to add to this team? Yeah, they're freaking awesome. They're feisty, and they bring just assertiveness. They're not they're not passive freshmen, which is awesome. Um, they come on, they 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 offer their opinions, and it's just super fun playing with them so far. And I'm excited to see, you know, how how this moves into season. I forgot Addie Benson. That's Luke's sister. So yeah, there's connections yeah. all over the place, which is awesome. Um, playing with playing with Eden uh, another season. How is that? Um, yeah. And last year, or maybe it was two years ago, we had Bauer to Bauer to Bauer. So hopefully we'll have some more Bauer to Bauer. I hope so. Yeah, she's killing it. She's, I'm proud of her. She's just she's grinding like everyone else. So it's the best thing with your sister, though, for sure. Whitney, I know every match is important. Every match matters. Yeah, I get it. You're an athlete. Everything, every time you step on the floor, it's a big deal. But... Your season opener is yeah. against Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, let's okay. talk about Pitt. It's against Pitt. And they've uh, been a little thorn in the side for BYU. So how do you view Pitt and opening the season against a team that's kind of had your number? Yeah, I mean, like, when we first found out that we were playing Pitt, I think everyone's faces were like, no way. So I think everyone's so excited. I mean, Pitt, they're, they're an amazing team. Um, it's it's always super fun to play them because they're just super scrappy. They make us better every time that we play them. And so I'm just excited to play a Final Four team and just to see what we got. You guys like to challenge yourself. That's going to be a great challenge out of the gate. Mm -hmm. um, how, did sure. the, how did the foreign trip, which looked epic, by the way, how did that help bring this team together um, that will aid you uh, in a quick turnaround of just two and a half weeks in camp and then you're, then you're playing Pitt and starting the season? I think the coolest part about that is we did every single thing together. We played a bunch. We played teams from Turkey that were legit. And I think just experiencing new experiences with each other made us tighter and closer as a team. And going into the Big 12, I think that's huge because we are playing different teams and going to different different areas. And so now that we've bonded in, in newer ways than I've ever bonded with a team, I'm excited to see how that translates over to the, to the Big 12. I just hope you've recovered from the jet lag by now, Whitney, and I'm assuming that you have. <laughs> I have, yes. Took a while. <laughs> oh, man, that, that is intense for sure. Uh, great to talk with you at practice. We appreciate the time and the insight into a brand-new, very exciting BYU women's volleyball season. We'll let you get back to it, but uh, clearly you're awesome. Go get it done, Thank and you. we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Bauer Power on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for the season. Uh, they really could finished as high as second. Like, Texas won the national championship. Certainly it's expected they're going to win the Big 12. Um, but it'll be a great season, man. It's a tough league. It's a better league than the WCC. But the WCC was really good. San Diego made the Final Four last year. Like, LMU and oh, yeah. were good. BYU was really good. So I'm excited. It'll be a fun year. Looking forward to that. After the break, to celebrate Top 5 Tuesday, the Top 5 plays against the three newest members of the Big 12, specifically from the first three weeks of the 2021 season. Oh, look at us. Because you know, BYU beat all three of those teams in succession in 2021. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. 
BYUSN, should the Big 12 Conference stay with their posse of 16 teams in 2024? Or do we want more? And how big of a deal is it really for BYU men's basketball to lose Quez Glover in the transfer portal? Plus, I go one-on-one with receiver Keanu Hill, and we go live to day one of volleyball camp with All-American setter Whitney Bauer. It's always a good day when you have an All-American on the show. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, August 8th. I am Spencer Linton, and he is clearly mic'd up, Jerem Jordan. Now, Kingsley Suamata'io was mic'd up yesterday, and there's a fun conversation. The guys have a sec. They talk about non-football stuff. Here's a taste. Oreos or chips ahoy? Oreo guy. Oreo mm. guy? With the milk. With the milk. Mm. We didn't even get to the milk. He oh, already yeah. said <laughs> Crunchy or you like the chewy? I don't like either chips ahoy. I like Oreos. Anyways. <laughs> My favorite cookie though, for real though? Yeah. The Samoan cookies. The Girl Scout Ooh. cookies. What you oh, know about that? I forgot about those. This is a real deep question. How are the pyramids built? I don't know. That's exactly. Oh, they have that technology back then. So how did they build that? From the inside out. What? From the inside out. I have some follow-up questions there. Simi Moala, <laughs> by the way, former Utah uh, starting offensive lineman, is, is the giant next to yes. Kingsley right there. He could be uh, in, in, in play here, but there's some deep questions there, ranging from Oreos to the pyramids. These are the things the O-line's talking about right now. These are the mysteries that I really wanted answered. Of the kingdom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, did want to take a moment as well. Um, I really appreciate, one, you reading yesterday when I could not, and uh, everyone that reached out. It, uh, while death separates us temporarily, yeah. um, the living come together in a moment like this. And it was, it was amazing to, to have uh, people I don't know reach out to yeah. friends I haven't talked to in a long time. Like, it was, it was great. So thank, thank you to everybody that, uh, that reached out. I appreciate it a lot. Ah, yeah. Well said. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, full clarity, like in that moment, because I've too have lost my father, like you know, I just there's just a connection there. You just know what that is like. I, I yeah, you know, uh, and so I have great empathy um, for those who have gone through something like this. And I'm really glad that I wrote it out because if not, I would have just sat here crying. Absolutely. <laughs> so thank you for. I'm, I did not I tell you, hey, in. back me up on this. You just picked it up. So I I really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody. I, we could, like one of the greatest things possible is that I could share Bruce with all of you here. For sure. Um, and that we can have this together. Because this is more than just talking about the Big 12, talking about BYU, talking about Utah. Yes. Uh, life is much bigger than this. Just, this just happens to be a thing we do. But good gosh, it's fun. Yes. Uh, so here we are. Thanks Big, bigger than sport, absolutely. And uh, with that said, how about we rise and shout? Let's get to what's trending. There's never been a better time to be involved with the Big 12 than right now. It's the Big 16. I think for the Big 12, this was really good. I want schools that are intentional. Fight to him. Ran into an orange wall. Leans into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas. There's incredible momentum. Lots of energy. Our narrative has changed. What's Trending presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. Our friend Brett McMurphy is back at it again for the Action Network, reporting yesterday that the Big 12 Conference has no appetite to add any of the remaining Pac-4 schools or San Diego State. He continues in that quote, we have no interest in doing anything, Source said. We're done. Jerem, is being done the right move for the Big 12 Conference 
if they stop at 16 teams? I think right now it is. Um, now, they don't want to add Cal or Stanford. They don't want to add Oregon State or Washington State. They don't want to add San Diego State. Who else is out there that's interesting? Now, you look to the ACC. There's obviously disgruntled teams there led by Florida State. I'm not sure they're looking at the Big 12 as like the most viable option there, but it all depends on the TV contract situation. So as we explained, as we understood from Brett McMurphy, who dug into uh, the contract there, ESPN said, yes, we'll go full share P5 ads up to 16. Fox said, we'll go up to 14. Apparently, we haven't heard this report, but it is assumed that they said on 15 and 16, yes, we will go our 11.7 on top of the 20 mil starting in 2025 with the additions of, we assume that Arizona was sort of that 14th team, if mm -hmm. you will, Arizona State and Utah. Now, would they, could they, let's say Florida State, Miami, and a hand, NC State, a handful of those disgruntled kind of seven or whatever um, that came out this summer. Let's say they were like, hey, we're serious. We want to be in your league. Like, we, like and, and we'll, we'll buy out the ACC, which feels crazy. We, we haven't heard official numbers on that, but one, th one report said it was like, 30 mil per year. Like, the Big 12 is not the conference to join to do that. It would be the Big 10 because they're shelling out 70 million a year, full share, but they're not for Oregon and Washington. And I don't think Florida State right now, um, it, they could be valued as much as Oregon and Washington, but they're not a full share team, it would seem, in my opinion. So I don't think there's a league out there that's willing to take on, um, well, the Big 12 is, would be willing. I don't think the ACC teams would want to do that given if that buyout is that much. Um, UConn's sitting there. They're a G5 ad. They're not a, the, a full share kind of group at this point. Is, is ESPN and Fox willing to do that for a football team that gives you nothing but a men's basketball team that could give you a national title like they did last year? Yeah. San Diego State, I would be interested in in the future. But, like, right now, as is, I think we're good. I think in a couple of years we could see, again, see which leagues TV contracts end. And, and go like two years before that, and that's yeah. when kind of the movement typically happens. I want to add two words to the end of the quote. For now. We're done for now. Because... Still open for business. Things can, as we have seen just last week, change very, oh my very gosh. quickly. Is the open sign still lit up for the Big 12? <laughs> Can someone go to the Big 12 offices and see? Did, some of the neon may have died a little <laughs> bit, but like I think primarily the letters are still open. Even though they're saying, hey, we're closed, like the open sign's still kind of on, right? So we're done for now is what I believe. And I've had a number of people ask me, Spencer, why didn't the Big 12 add San Diego State? Brett Yormark's been so vocal about wanting to get into California and the West Coast and the Pacific time zone. And I stepped back and I thought, okay, if I were Brett Yormark, how would I assess San Diego State right now? And then I immediately thought about the madness and the dumpster fire that they just went through with the Mountain West Conference and with the almost Pac-12 invitation. And then I thought about the price tag. And I thought if I were a businessman right now, I would not take them right now just because of how that whole thing was handled. It was terrible, it was a nightmare, and it was a nightmare for San Diego State, but it is what it is at this point. They can't get away from it. And so I thought, okay, if I were him and I were a businessman looking at a $34 million price tag, and then the bad publicity that is surrounding San Diego State because of that whole mess of a show with the Mountain West Conference. Of a show, nice. 
I wouldn't do it. I just, I get it. And up until last Friday, I was like, yeah, let's get into California. Let's take Southern California with San Diego State. Let's do it. If Arizona State and Utah don't want to join, fine. Yeah, give the invitation to San Diego State. But again, I believe that the Big 12 Conference made the right move. Adding San Diego State right now is not the additional move. UConn, I'm, I agree with you. It just There's no rush. It, it doesn't have to happen right now. Why? At some point, great, whatever. Maybe their football program builds and a little bit, and they, they show something, and then they become a little bit more attractive. We Probably know, not, let's be honest. We already know what their basketball team is capable of. They just of. added Arizona men's basketball. Like, you don't need it's UConn true. men's basketball. Like, yeah. you just, Arizona, historically, uh, unbelievable. Like, if yeah. you're looking for a men's basketball ad, you got it. Like, you don't, you don't but it's, again, men's basketball is not dictating any yeah. of this. This is all football TV contracts. It's not men's basketball TV contracts that do anything. Your mark understands, though, at some point, maybe this is unique. Maybe the men's basketball deal is a different deal maybe on different networks. Maybe it becomes more lucrative, like, depending on the network and how they value basketball. Could be, because then you're like, well, we are the next best thing after the G League, like this league. Like, we're the third tier yeah. of quality uh, in a group in the United States. I, I don't know. I, I'm with you. Yeah, I, they don't need, like, they, they don't added, have to rush into this. They added three quality programs. Uh, four with Colorado. It's all been like two weeks worth. But yeah, you, you did what you wanted. The perception of open for business was that they would like pillage the Pac-12 and so no. Guess what? They did it. Whether that was the full or partial intention, Brett Yormark said no. It, it just meant lots of different things. But let's be honest. The main thing was like adding <laughs> Pac-12 teams, it feels like, right? It, and they did it. They added a third of the league, Spence. I'm not going to give out spoiler alerts for the latest Mission Impossible, okay? But uh -oh. Go see it if you yeah. haven't. Like, it's fun. <laughs> it's been out long enough that I can give a hint to some. Is the Statue of Limitations okay. up at this point? <laughs> okay. There is a character that seems to know things that are going to happen before they actually happen. Yeah. It feels like Brett Yormark is that guy. In these like, parts, he, we call that he, a seer, Spence. He received a message, and it was like, okay. Uh, you're not going to go exactly, you know, as you, the word you used was pillage, and you're just going like, to rip apart the conference. But these teams are eventually going to become available, and you can decide to welcome them if you want to or not. And I just, <laughs> that's what I Indeed. thought of last night. Like, he knew, he was just waiting for the dominoes just to fall. Just waiting for that crappy then, TV deal yes, to, to come to a yes, head. Yes, you can join too. Yep. Yes, let us extend the hand of mercy. Bit, the Big 12, <laughs> like, the biggest thing that ever happened with the Big 12 was that they added the four that they added when they added them, and then they went out and got the TV deal early. Because then the Pac-12 was in trouble. They were, in tr they were never going to get that kind of deal. If you want to establish your league's credibility and you want to be sustainable and you want to be firm, a firm foundation, which resonates with this crowd, yes. you go get a grant of rights immediately. And that was priority number one for Brett Yormark. And it changed everything. everything. It changed it everything. It changed the fortunes of BYU and Utah. Crazy, right? You're done for now. Let's wait and see what happens with the ACC in the coming years. For now, like F-E-R? For now? For now. We did sub for Santa in high school, but they spelled out this sign that said F-E-R. Oh, sub yeah. For Solid. Yeah. Awesome. Solid. Utah for you. <laughs> Sloughing. <laughs> Topic two. How big of a deal is Quez Glover entering the transfer portal, and where do we sit with BYU men's basketball right now with everything going on? I would love to just be able to gloss over this and be like, eh, <laughs> BYU will be fine. Like, but... I mean, I spent some time with Mark Pope and Leanne Pope on Saturday night uh, at a dinner and had great conversation with them. And 
Mark's energy was really good in spite of having a difficult weekend, learning that he yep. was losing Quest Glover to the transfer portal. There's, he knows it. We all know it. There's no easy way around losing a guy you expected to be your starting point guard when we're in August. Uh, what do you do now? Like, it's not like there's just a ton of other point guards out there in the transfer portal available. You right be like, now. Well, yeah, Waiting. if Quez left, let's just go get another uh, three or four star point guard. It's yes. all good. <laughs> it clearly doesn't work that way. The, the options are very, very limited. In fact, BYU now has two open scholarships. They still need to hire an assistant basketball coach. Mm -hmm. And their director of basketball ops just left. Bobby Hordusky left. And they're supposed to go on an international trip. Like, there's uh, a next week. There's a lot happening, and there are some notable vacancies. Most recently, now your projected starting point guard, who's not going to be with the team on that international trip, to bond and spend some more time in the gym together and just come together as a team. So, yes, it's a big deal. Now, whenever somebody leaves or somebody gets injured, there is greater opportunity presented. So, BYU fans, I hope you're ready to embrace Dallin Hall as your number one starting point guard for the opening Big 12 season. He might have been the starter with Quiz Glover on the roster, Spence. It like, is he could have won the job. Dallin yeah. Hall's show for sure. Yeah. And now Trey Stewart moves into the backup point guard role. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, young guys still, both of them, both sophomores, but it is the Dallin Hall show followed by Trey Stewart. Yeah. There's nothing easy about losing a guy that could have been your starting point guard the August before your season starts a couple of months away. Come on, let's, let's be real. So, yeah, it was a tough weekend for be real? Mark Pope. Is it time? It was a very, very tough, nope. challenging weekend for him. Um, and not surprisingly, the people that he was addressing, he spent time talking about Dallin Hall and Trey Stewart because he knows that they're going to have to step up and fill the void by Quez Glover. Yep. We'll see if there's something BYU could potentially add. I don't know, maybe they promote from someone from within and they give a scholarship to a guy that didn't think he was going to have a scholarship. It totally could, but I don't know. That's tough. Okay, t uh, two thoughts real quick. Uh, Quez Glover becomes the new Devontae Henry Cole. I played 20 college football 2014 last night. And I was reminded that Devontae Henry Cole was on BYU's was on roster. BYU's roster, and then yes. he, didn't, he didn't end up playing. Um, and then the idea that you have two scholarships sitting there, that's very concerning. You need all 13. You need quality. You need to walk in you know, uh, full, full bore there, and BYU's not at this moment. Hopefully they can find somebody, but, or two people. At this point, it's really tough. And then that third assistant coach, that's a new thing. Yeah. So that's an ad. Not a big deal there. Director of ops. Yeah, got to find that person. Strength and conditioning was just added, which is cool. I'm more on uh, that new hire. Yeah, in a moment. that's a and big then, time hire. Yeah, and then this group definitely needs this international tour to come together because they're facing the most challenging basketball schedule in history by far. Like in football, we're like thinking probably it overall, but in basketball, it's like no question. Yeah, there, there's just no way and, around this without saying, okay, this. It just stinks. It stinks. And it NIL stinks. is is unfortunately the, the cause of this one, it sounds like. And that's it's, tough because BYU is trying to compete in that arena, but BYU, just by nature of the school and the code of ethics and everything that goes into it, they don't operate like other schools. They're, it's not just as fast as like saying, we're throwing out a number. Like, it doesn't work that way at BYU. Everything's yes. got to be approved. It's got to come through channels. It's got to be guaranteed. And they do yes. this to protect the athletes. They do it to protect the athletes and the coaches so that when they say, we're going to do something for you, 
It absolutely is going to happen. We will do it. Right? And, yeah. and then you don't get into trouble. But False promises. It, take, it takes a little bit longer, and that's, that's tough. Yep. Right? It just doesn't happen fast. You just got to probably get better in this space to compete. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, yeah. in Mark's words, he said in, in this instance around Quez, we, he said, we failed. We failed to make this happen, and we've got to make changes. Now, what are those changes? He's not talking about the team. He's no. talking about everybody. Yes. Yeah. As a collective group, right? As collective being the operative Boosters word? and as the they, Royal Blue Collective. They, and yes, we got to figure out a way to when these offers start coming in last minute to match that and keep a guy here. Yep. Yeah, that's tough. The new era. Indeed it's it is. Our question of the day as we move from basketball back to football. Yep. Well, frankly, this is all sports because it's the Big 12 Conference. Would you like to see the Big 12 expand beyond 16 teams or are you? Good for now. At our Matthew Salt underscore TX on Twitter says, yes, get Louisville and Pitt for their rivalry with Cincinnati and West Virginia. That'd be great. They plug into the, the region there, a little more East Coast influence. Now, because like now the East side is the sort of like barren wasteland of Cincinnati, West Virginia, and UCF. And then it's like, well, you got to go a ways to get to everybody else. Now the West, it's like, oh, we got Utah up the road. We got Arizona, Arizona State. Like, Awesome. That Colorado, like yeah. we have five in the sort of intermountain west, if you will, again, and down in the desert. Like, yeah. oh, we're not alone here. We were alone literally until two weeks ago. I saw somebody suggest uh, Louisville and Pitt and then NC State and Florida State to I'd love it. help out the UCF area. Like if you told me, hey, in four years that's happening, I'm stoked. Yes. Miami would be fun too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's go. Uh, Matthew Stahl continued, by the way, unless you go to 10 conference game, 18 conference games, 18 feels like the biggest number you can get to and still feel like a conference. Anything above that and you will have schools you only play every three years or so in football. True, if is, you like that continuity. Is but it's 20 too many? But, it, but it's like risk. Again, I love risk in this conversation. But, like, yeah, you gather, 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 gather until you can overwhelm the opponent. So, yeah. who knows? Hashtag BYUSN to join the conversation. Okay, check out tonight's Big 12 preview on After Further Review. It's coming up at 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Up next, our preview of the BYU wide receivers continues. Jerem goes one-on-one with one of the vets, Keanu Hill. What will it take for him to have a true breakout season in the Big 12? This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to Studio <laughs> B. He's Dave. I'm Jason. Let's get to today's headlines. BYU football training camp continues with practice today. Closed scrimmage tomorrow. Anytime you scrimmage in the fall, it's usually big and you hope everyone survives. Other football news, as mentioned, Mason Wake announcing he's stepping away from the game, citing injuries, and we wish him the very best as he finishes his degree here after the fall semester. We've talked about it a few times on the show already. Jaron Hall made his NFL debut last night in the Vikings preseason opener at the Seahawks. Hall played the entire second half and finished 6 of 14 for 37 yards. Kyrus Tonga also with Minnesota had one tackle and one QB hit. Hey, how about you block for him? Block for him next time. Yeah, the, the, the problem with Jaron being third string quarterback is he's got the third string offensive I line. I think those were the him. eighth string offensive <laughs> yeah. line. Yeah, some other notable uh, Cougars in the NFL this preseason. Uh, Tyler Algier and the Falcons will be taking on Chris Brooks 
and the Dolphins tonight. Could see a lot of Brooks. Yes, you could. Zach Wilson and the Jets facing Brady Christensen's Panthers on Saturday. Puka Nakua and the Rams hosting Michael Davis and the Chargers also on Saturday. And the game I will be paying the most attention to. Of course. Matt Bushman and the Kansas City Chiefs visiting Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, and the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. It's a good thing I've got 130 church on Sunday. We're hearing some good things about Bushman. Women's soccer beat Rutgers one to nothing back east on an Alley Fryer goal in the 80th minute. That was an exhibition game, so they're coming back home and they're going to get right back to business with another exhibition game tomorrow night at Southfield against Idaho State. Weather's going to be perfect. Watch it on BYU TV Live and on ESPN Plus at 9 Eastern. BYU men's and women's cross-country schedule was released this morning. Some highlights include opening the season with BYU's Autumn Classic on September 8th. And the first Big 12 championship meet for BYU cross country will be at Iowa State on October 28th. It's they're coming real, Dave. They're running, they're running to win the Big 12 this year. They may run to Ames. They probably <laughs> won't do that. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. AP Top 25 makes its season debut on Monday. So how many teams do you think will be representing the Big 12 in the Top 25? Uh, I think for sure two. I think there, it's likely three. So I'm thinking Texas, TCU, and Texas Tech. I think those are the three that end up in the Top 25 for me. But I'd be surprised sure if Kansas State's not in there See, as the defending yes. champ with a lot of guys back. But they lose, they, but they lose some big power hitters. And so I, that's, that's the one that could push it to four for me. So Where, yeah. Where's BYU going to be, 11th? <laughs> 11th? Maybe not this year. Top 10, man, what are you talking about? <laughs> All right, up next, transfer cornerback Eddie Heckard on what he thinks of BYU's current wide receiver room and how he's dealing with being a leader among the defensive backs. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Organized and scheduled. Plus, BYU safety Malik Moore tells us what Jay Hill has challenged him to do to help him reach his NFL dreams. Women's soccer's tab to win the Big 12, plus new strength and conditioning coach Michael Davion, why he left the Milwaukee Bucks for BYU men's hoops. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, August 10th. I am Spencer Linton, alongside Jerem Jordan, who you look ready for photo day, just like BYU football was yesterday. BYU photo, uh, you know, took a bunch of pictures of the guys yesterday. They took like an outdoor photo of the whole team, which they haven't done in a couple years, I think, which is pretty cool. But Kalani Stake had uh, some real nice uh, advice on what not to do <laughs> on photo day from his experience. Don't ever trust somebody when they say play around and take a, a, a picture no one will ever see. So me as a fullback took a picture of the Heisman pose and I regret every day I see someone wearing the shirt that people keep promoting and putting out there and selling, making money on my likeness. Well, Kalani just promoted it again. Uh, so that, that photo is out there and uh, I believe we have it, um, which is a really fun one. I don't know what year it was oh, for him, yeah. but yeah, like, is, is that like freshman 94 Kalani? Is that 97 off his mission? I, 
You know, I don't know exactly. Oh, 97. There you go. From okay, it. 1997. There you go. He's a sophomore off a of Mish. Listen, BYU had just come off of a 14 and one season where they finished number five in the country. Everybody's it, feeling great. Everyone's feeling great. He's coming off a of Mish. Yeah. Spiritual high. Boom! <laughs> yeah, that's a fun shirt. I love that. He told a fantastic story the other day to me uh, about Lavelle Edwards in that era. And you brought up his freshman season in 1994. He's like, I was at Hawaii. I was ready for my first game. I was just, here comes the legend Lavelle into the locker room. And he like says, men, grabs his keys. And he's like, oh, it's going to be some object lesson with the keys or something like that. And, you know, kind of hesitates and looks at the crowd. And then, and then he just kind of itches his ear with his keys. <laughs> Puts Thanks, his keys coach. back in his pocket. And he's like, all right, uh, let's give it everything we have today. <laughs> let's have a prayer and go play football. And he was like, that was it. Okay. And that team went 10 and three beating Oklahoma and Notre Dame. Uh, like, that was a really good BYU team. I thought that was so funny. He's just, re just ready for the object lesson like, with all the keys. It's going to be all time. Yeah, I just wanted to itch his ear. <laughs> A <laughs> key is not my first thing. I'm grabbing to itch my ear, by the way. That's funny. Ah, oh, really funny stuff. And, uh, yeah, let's get uh, Kalani potentially a cut of uh, those, you know, the the proceeds that go from the T-shirt. Listen, Royal Army can work that out, okay? That's true. We'll figure it's true. The friends at Royal Army will figure that out. That said, all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. It's the Big 16. It's still called the Big 12. A wildly. Bipolar turn of events uh, to, yeah, reach 16 teams in 2024. Big 12 Conference, it's getting real. And let's get real. What's Trending presented by Feastbox. Donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. With the Big 12 now officially at 16 teams in 2024, logic would tell you that the conference is understandably considering either divisions or pods, however it's going to work out to determine a champion, to make it the most fair, the most equitable, and frankly, the most fun, the best product on the field, yeah. right? Athlon Sports Specific projected which divisions or what divisions may look like in a new 16-team Big 12 with three potential alignments. They went east-west, north-south, and then a 10-year success model to which they called balanced divisions. Now, Jerem, Let's throw out just Athlon Sports, other than the fact that they kind of put out their model, and let's let's give the people our models. If you were in charge of building the Big 12's divisions... I am. They called me. It is up to me. Or otherwise, how would you do it? So I, I don't want divisions um, because I want d diversity of games. Okay. I want BYU to be able to play everybody in the Big 12 often. So I don't want divisions per se. Although, so you don't want the eight team divisions where you play seven games and then you get two from the other yeah, side every year. It's just not enough of the other teams. Okay. Um, although you can form a lot of uh, competitive rivals quicker that way. I see that. But just for diversity of games and opponents and, and travel and whatnot, I would, I would like there to be pods only. That okay. is four groups of four. So here's what I would do with it. And I'm going straight geography here. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and this makes a lot of sense. Iowa State's kind of a tricky one here. Obviously, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, and BYU should be in one. And then I'm, I'm, calling, it, I'm calling that West. Um, they don't have to have names. This is just for this. This thing. is the West pod. Colorado, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. Yep. And then the East, uh, UCF, West Virginia, Cincinnati. I put Iowa State in there because they're, they're the closest to those other three. Um, and Iowa then, State to Cincinnati is not a very far trip. Yeah. It is, everybody's far to UCF. Um, 
West Virginia, Cincinnati, not terribly far, comparatively. And then the four Texas schools make mm -hmm. sense to me. Um, so that's, that's how I would do it. So then you play your pod, you have three games, right? And then you play six against other teams. I would go two versus each pod, and then you can rotate through that. So that means uh, every other season you're playing everybody. And yes. then every four seasons you're hosting uh, the other uh, teams from the other pods. And you're playing once every four years there. So you get every four years uh, the cycle of a student athlete in the league, if they're there the whole time, they get to play at least one road game, one home game against everybody. I like that. And then in men's hoops, I, I would go um, – I would go a pod as well, same, same pod idea. And then you play everyone else once, alternating every other year. So then you get the 18 league games. Okay. And then you, you play everybody every other year. Um, or you, yeah, you play everybody every year, but you get them at home, home or away every other year. Yes. So, so you have some kind of balance. And among 18, everyone's getting out to everywhere. Now, they did not do that same thing in women's volleyball, by the way, um, where they play. I think it's 18 games. They did like, and you'll see this in men's basketball. You play like six twice, and then you play six teams once. So they chose in this 23 season where it's 14, mm -hmm. a unique look at it. I wonder what they're going to do. Again, I'm not predicting that the Big 12 will do this. This is what I would do. Yeah, if, what you want. If I was asked. And again, Brett Yormack asked me, this is what's happening. No, I, I wish. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited to see how it shakes out. But I value sort of playing more teams more often then, like, let's just shovel everyone into two visions and, and divisions and figure it out. If you don't have division spins, it, it is a little trickier to figure out the tiebreakers because you're going to have multiple teams with sure. the same conference record who didn't play each other. Then is it just straight up whoever's ranked higher in the uh, playoff committee's poll? Like, what, what metrics are used for that? There's no, like, net basketball equivalent in football that is recognized as sort of the sorting tool. So I'm not sure, but I am – I'm not going to be too distraught, I don't think, over whatever they figure out. It's just exciting. I'm, ha I'm just straight up happy to be here, yes. <laughs> if you will, in the Big 12. Our pods are exactly the same. Nice. There may be a, a nuance here and there. Texas Tech is the closest school to BYU outside of the three newbies, or the four newbies, I should say, from the Pac-12. But before Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah came into play, Texas Tech was geographically the closest yes. school to BYU. And so maybe there's something there. If they want to break up Texas, they could switch Oklahoma State and Texas Tech and, I doubt and they do, do something like that. Like they'd keep them yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Oklahoma State is without a rival now, so they're kind of able to just be wherever, move mm -hmm. wherever, because they don't have to have like that natural rivalry tie. Yeah. But our pods are exactly the same. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you gave them names. You called it the West, and the Plains, Texas, and then East. Yep. Um, I, I like the idea of BYU playing Utah and the Arizona schools every year. And then the cool thing about the pod is if you play nine games, like you're getting two from all of the other three pods. Okay? It's a very simple so scheduling approach. So you want that approach. too? The two from the yes. other? Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so like the, in the Plains pod, one year you're taking on Kansas and Kansas State, and then the next year in football – you're going to take on Oklahoma State and Colorado. Yeah. Like, you're playing everybody at least every other year. And I, I really mm -hmm. like that approach compared to if they went to true divisions. And for what it's worth, I would set it up as an east-west scenario. As opposed to north-south. I looked at the north-south thing, and I was like, oh, north-south is kind of fun. Like, you could draw that line. But 
Then you've got West Virginia and BYU in the north, and that just it just feels weird. It's just so far away. Yes. It's weird. And that's inherent with conference expansion that you're sure. just going to have some distance. Like, ask uh, Stanford and Cal if they go to the ACC sure. about that. I mean, so for – USC, UCLA. I would opt for a West-East if they went to divisions. Okay. And this is option two. Like, we both want pods. But yeah, if I, they went divisions – Yeah, I agree with you. I'd rather keep some geography in play and, and give teams the capability to – not travel as many miles. But so in, one Texas school in the Big 12 West. Yes, because Texas Tech, because what I was going Texas to, they're, so, they're close to gotcha. the Arizona schools and they're relatively close to BYU because they are in West Texas. Yeah. The East Division, Baylor, Houston, TCU, the other three Texas teams, Oklahoma State gets in there, kind of flip-flopping with Texas Tech. And then you've naturally in the East, you've got Iowa State, Cincinnati, West Virginia, and Central Florida. That's, a, that's how I would set up the East Division and the West Divisions to help with travel, help minimize some costs in that regard. I know it's a new age. Everyone charters flights. Like it doesn't, but it, it takes a toll on the athlete if you've got to constantly tra- like travel across the country. Not in football um, as much. In the other sports. Because it's six trips. That's all you're taking. But in men's basketball and uh, women's volleyball where they're playing more games. Sure. Like women's soccer, they don't play as many games as you think. It's not like. 31 no it's like it's like tennis and yeah. swimming that's and where it can be tough uh yeah it can be tough base baseball uh there's a lot of travel sure yeah so if the, yeah the divisions eh, I, I don't like it and i com- prefer the pods and competitively i think there will be balance i don't think there will be imbalance like there has been in the big 10 in the sec there's been great balance which by the way the sec sound if i read correctly is going to blow up divisions here in like a year as well. Big Ten is going to run with divisions this year, and then they got to figure out what they're doing when USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington come in. They're 18 schools. Like, how do you figure out tiebreakers? How do you figure out who the top two teams are if they're all tied? Like, like the Big 12 competitively, I, I don't know that there's going to be too many years like last year where the TCU was just the number one team because undefeated, but Kansas State was on the heels, right? Is how do you figure out when there are four teams that are 9-3 and three who's playing for the Big 12 title and maybe two of them didn't play each other? Like, what do you do in that Ask case? Ask the Pac-12 last year when Utah somehow, because of like four tiebreaker rules, found themselves back in the Pac-12 championship game. I yeah. mean, it was unbelievable how all of the things fell into place and the yeah. cards aligned. But that's the type of scenario you're talking about. Like, how do you yeah. do how do you that? figure that out? So I can see where, yes, we need divisions to just get make that easier. But, but you risk that being, oh, one is imbalanced. And perhaps that imbalanced one is the one BYU is in, and it wins, a la... Wisconsin in the Big Ten where they would have like three losses, but they would go and play Ohio State and lose, but they were in the Big 12 title game, one game away from the Rose Bowl. Or if Ohio State goes to the playoff, they were going to the Rose Bowl anyway. Yeah. So that goes away with the 12-team playoff, that sort of opportunity to go to the Sugar Bowl, which is where the champ of the Big 12 goes. Yeah, and I thought about that too as I put together the divisions of the East and the West is, okay, if I've got Texas Tech and Kansas State and Utah and BYU – in on one side, that's that feels pretty good because on the other side, like who knows what Cincinnati is going to be, who knows what Iowa State's going to be. Um, that I was, so I was trying to figure out, like, okay, because you want balance and you want geography. There's no great team, like, it's the land of nine and three, eight and four. Yeah, that's what this league feels like. There may be some ten and twos, but I don't see a lot of 11. No, and there teams. might be eight, yeah. seven, and five teams in the conference this year, Seriously. perhaps. We'll it's see. it's wild. Let's make a bowl game. That's all we need. Get win. to a bowl game, and that starts with beating the Bearcats, not Cincinnati. Countdown to the Bearcats. 
23 days. Michael Jordan's worth. The Sam Houston State Bearcats in 23 days at LaBelle Edwards Stadium. For three weeks? Yes, from Saturday. Away. Yeah. Okay, then. Three, okay. Three weeks from Saturday. Okay, topic two. Women's soccer picked to win the Big 12 in the preseason hey. coaches poll. Okay. Okay. Wow. What, what do you think, man? I'm surprised. I wanted it to be this way, but now that I see the list, I, I'm frankly, I'm a little surprised. Why? Because BYU's the newbie. Like, they're so powerful. Yes, they've got a great program. Jen Rockwood has built, like, this juggernaut out west. And TCU's a good team. And TCU's ranked higher in the preseason coaches' poll. Like, they're a top-10 right. team. BYU was not a top-10 team. Has TCU put up Close. what BYU's done in the past few years? No. 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 BYU is clearly the best team in the league. Um, are they going to actually win the league? I don't know. but the We'll see. Because the coaches had to do This is a coaches' poll. Okay. So I thought there might be some bias toward, ah, uh, we like TCU. We'll put BYU number two, but the coaches have bought in on BYU. Okay, BYU's first by a point, by the way. Yeah, it's 156 close. points to 155 for TCU to 152 for Texas. So BYU was almost second or third. So the top three are really high up. This is an improved league. Granted, Santa Clara probably would be the, you know, a, a year or two ago, would be the second pick or even first in this league with BYU. So the WCC at the very top was very high. Pepperdine for a minute was very good with Lynn Williams, who was on the USA team. Um, I, I uh, agree with it, given what BYU returns, given what BYU did last year with the Sweet 16, the year before that, getting the national title game. They bring back a ton of uh, that group that went to the College Cup. Yes, BYU should be the preseason pick. I'm actually surprised it was as close as it was. I thought BYU would be the really? preseason pick by a little more. Really? I think people get it. In The coaches in that league aren't the media or the fans. See, I thought They if, understand if the what BYU is in soccer. Now, if the media were voting, I, w I would have been more inclined to believe that BYU would be picked to finish first. There's not enough people that care about women's soccer like you and I. Like, But the coaches, because there's just an innate bias, like... Uh, I guarantee there are a few coaches in the league that are, that are thinking to themselves, BYU doesn't know what they're getting into. But BYU's like, yeah, we do. Well, we feel I don't, like we do know what we're getting into. I don't know into. if the Big 12 understands what they are getting into when they come to Pro. It's interesting. Like, it's the number one attended, uh, you know, attendance in the country. It's uh, big-time TV in the past. You know, it's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, this is yet to be announced, but ESPNU will come in and do some games for uh, soccer and volleyball, which is exciting. We'll, we'll announce that when uh, ESPN does as well. But yeah, th this is a team that look look at that in the in the would be Big 12 ranks last year. Like, yes, BYU's legit. I get it. And now now BYU has to go out and prove it. But this program deals with success really well. This program is more ready for success than football is. Like last year, when football gets to number 12 and goes to Oregon. That was a really tough moment in the season, dealing with that success. BYU did not deal well with that. Well, they weren't healthy either. They weren't healthy, and in the end, they weren't actually that meriting that. At the time, yes, it's all about it in the moment. It's not about um, you know what your rank is based on how things are going yeah. in the moment. But women's soccer and women's volleyball know how to deal with success in a way that's and cross country that some of the other sports need to uh, learn to do a little better. Are there any cons to being number one? Yeah, in the target on one. your back and. Hey, you're the newbie and whatever. But BYU is used to this. They're used to every game being like, oh, we're ranked, we're ranked in the top 20 and the team's coming after us. Like, all the time. What does BYU do in its exhibition games, Spence? Last year they go to North Carolina. They're going to Rutgers to play. today. They go to Rutgers, who was a five seed in the tourney last year. Got upset, by the way, to Brown. But, like, they challenge themselves in an amazing way. Like, like can you imagine um, the exhibition for men's hoops 
being, yeah, we're going, we're going to Duke. Yeah. No, yeah. it's we play a team you haven't heard. Like, that's how you do it in that sport. Um, but women's soccer, man, they, they're ready for this. Like, they're absolutely ready for this. This team is loaded, yeah. and they're sweet 16-plus good. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add this. When we had Brent Anderson on the show a few weeks back, we talked about the pressure of dealing with the target. And if BYU is picked to finish first or second, like how do you maneuver through that? And like how does it affect your ambitions and, and your goals as a team? And he quickly pointed out, look, we've been to the national championship two years ago. Like obviously a conference championship is very important for our team, but they have their sights set on something bigger. And so being picked to finish first in the Big 12, like I'm sure is great for them and this validation, but... I believe them when they say, well, we don't care. We want to get back to a college cup. They'd we, rather, we want to go to the final four. They'd rather, yes, they'd rather go to the Sweet 16 than win the Big 12, I think. We want if to you advance. Ha- if you can only have one. We want to advance in the we, tournament We'd rather have an further. Elite Eight and take third in the league. Sure. Who cares? Like, they, like would, they would take an Elite Eight over a Big 12 championship all day, every day. Yes. Although, they want both. Like, winning a Big 12 can give you a better seed, which gets you in a position to go. Puts you in way better home field position. Totally. But if you're making only one, you you take that run in the tourney. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Hey, BYU picked to win the conference in women's soccer. First team. First team to be picked to win the league. Will they be the first Big 12 championship team? We'll see. Our question of the day. Back to the, the division and pod conversation and how things may be organized with a 16-team conference. This is in light of Athlon Sports putting out something recently. And frankly, Jeremy and I have talked about this a lot, too, before the article from You Athlon. have probably written these down as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you have figured it out for yourself. <laughs> how are you hoping the 16-team Big 12 is organized and scheduled in 2024? Whether that is divisions, pods, regions, east, west, north, south, you yeah. tell us. At SF Garrett says, if it's pods, then it should be like this. And he has everything color-coded. And I believe, Jerem, he agrees mostly with us, although he has Iowa State in the Plains pod and uh, Oklahoma State with three Texas schools. But he has added Houston with UCF, West Virginia, and Cincinnati. It's going to be awkward for somebody. Because there's a lot of distance there, no matter what. So you just kind of have to pick which team's going to be with the That's not a bad setup. East three. I mean, Houston to Orlando is like a two-hour flight. Yeah. I would think Iowa State to Cincinnati would be similarly close yeah. Yeah. or closer. Very, very close. Maybe closer. So someone, yeah, someone's got to be the homie with the other three. <laughs> like, who, if they go pods. Who knows? They may not. They may go divisions, and it's not as What's big a deal. What's the flight from West Virginia and Cincinnati to Orlando? That's that's probably two hours. I mean, they're like essentially on the same line, the same parallel line, right? Yeah, like it can't be that far. So how are the winds? <laughs> the, <laughs> the the easterlies. How, how, how do they the, affect this? How are they affected? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Kevin Lunt on Instagram ads as Jeremy looks up. It's two ten, by the way. Cincinnati to Orlando. Great. That's, that's not it's bad. An easy flight. That's not bad. It's like BYU going to Texas. Okay? Yeah. Anywhere in Texas. Yeah, we don't want to hear it now. Kevin Lunt on Instagram says, East-West makes sense, but I was excited to join the Big 12 to play teams like Kansas State and Oklahoma State, not Arizona and Arizona State. The, true. The, like, we've been building ourselves up to play more BYU of BYU has a history with these teams, so you're right. It's not as exciting naturally. It's like, it's not new. This, all the new stuff is just no. fun because it's new. Yes. Right? Yes. He continues, I'm still just excited to be eating at the big kids' table, though. Yeah. It's, that's a big deal at Thanksgiving when sure. you move up a table. But then, but then you're like, oh, I don't really, I'm not that interested in this conversation. <laughs> like, I just want to go play with the cousins. 
<laughs> it's true. You, well, you, what want, is this? you want the adult table to have a kid conversation. Are you talking about Roth IRAs or whatever? <laughs> like this. Hashtag BYUS on a X, Facebook, and Instagram. Oh, just moving there. After further review, returns next week. Uh, Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon. Continue. Meet the players. Get to know the players like Hinkley Ropati, John Nelson, and others. What was his name? Nelson. Nightmare, Nightmare Nelson. Nightmare Nelson. You can watch Tuesday, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Up next, my one-on-one interview with BYU senior safety Malik Moore. Jeez. How, how has his new defensive coordinator, Jay Hill, impacted this game and challenged him to make the NFL? This is BYUSN. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. It's intercepted. Malik Moore. Picked up by Moore. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. We are live with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play in Studio B. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Malik Moore is healthy. He says he feels fast and ready for the upcoming season. And frankly, Jerem, he has been challenged by his new defensive coordinator, Jay Hill, to take his game to another level, not just on the field, but specifically with the X's and O's and the mental aspect. That and how he's now utilizing that challenge to chase his NFL dreams are included in my one-on-one with BYU senior safety Malik Moore. Malik, we are a little more than a week into training camp for BYU football. You've done this a bunch of times. Too many times. Yeah, right, a lot of times. So what's different about this team and this camp compared to the several previous camps you've been involved in? Uh, For me, it's just more of a sense of urgency, you know, because for one, it's my last one. For two, it's a it's a different type of demand from the coaches, you know. Like before, you know, I could I wasn't going through the motions, but I've been there, done that same routine over and over. So it was a lot easier for me now. It's the time for me to adjust and to do a lot of thing a lot of things, you know, more differently with a lot more urgency, with a lot more knowledge. And uh, but yeah, that's really about it. Still fall camp, fall camp going to beat you up, but it's a matter it's up here to be honest. How is your role changing in the new defense under a new defensive coordinator, Jay Hill? Uh, I have to be more of a leader. Like I got to know not just my assignment, but I have to know everyone else's assignment. I got to be able to get on the board, write down what the ends are doing, the linebackers, you know, the corners. I got to know all that. So it's not just, you know, me doing my job, which makes me want to go through the motions. It's me. Now I have to apply what I'm learning, you know, in the film room to the field. And it's not just me now. It's everybody. So I think that's the, the biggest thing that's changed with my role, you know. What's well, one challenge to just accept a new defense and have to understand the dynamics and everything that goes into that and the preparation, but you're also coming back from injury. And so, I mean, trying to get that twitch back and that fast pace back. How are you feeling in regard to the health and, and that yeah. twitchiness and, and how fast the game is? Oh, yeah, I feel good. I mean, I'm a fast guy too, so yes, you it, ain't too <laughs> <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't too fast for me. But, uh, yeah, regarding the injury, you know, I was still – able to run and everything too back then it was just more so me not wanting to play with a cast on and come back and actually play injury free you know so um not a change you know I still got my legs you know I'm still running around flying around trying to trying to make the big 12 shape you feel me yeah 
Well, and again, you bring up the Big 12, and I'm glad you say that because when the injuries happen, obviously you're devastated. Like sure. you want to get back and play immediately, but then you go big picture, and now because you stuck around, you do get a crack at the Big 12. Mm -hmm. So how has that motivated you specifically this offseason? Oh, it's like it just makes me want to just go harder, you know, because we not saying I'm still fighting to get to the NFL, you know. That's always the goal, but now it's like, okay, now we get to – chase that ring and we get to chase you know all these other p5 teams that everyone talks about and everyone you know worships and stuff but it's now it's our time to really come in and show you like all right these guys not i, I shouldn't say that on camera but like you know we got to put our best foot forward and that's what we're going to do period point blank you feel me i get it <laughs> jay hill has made a huge impact on not just the players but the staff the whole feeling the vibe of the defensive side of the ball but for you specifically, how has he changed you as a player in the eight months that he's been involved with BYU football? I'm, I'm just more knowledgeable. Like, he just, like I said before, he just demands, you know, a lot more things in the film room. Like, it's not just your assignment. You got to know football. If you don't know football, you can't play in the game. So now I'm just adjusting to me and learning, you know, more football so that the game can slow down a lot more. And then it's an easier transition for me when I am going into the NFL, you know. So I think – with Jay Hill, that's the biggest thing is you don't, you just can't go out there and be athletic. You got to go out there and be athletic, be smart, and to be able to apply it on every single down. So I think that's the biggest, biggest. When you look at the other safeties in the room, and obviously there's just innately a competition during mm -hmm. training camp as you ramp up for the season. Right, you're right. pushing each other to get better. So at what point do you transition as, okay, now we're a team and we're a group compared to, I'm kind of competing against you. Like, when when does that happen? I don't think it ever changes, really, for me. Because for me, I'm just acting as if I'm still at the bottom. Even though I'm, as of right now, I'm with the ones, I got to play as if it's my last rep of the practice or I'm a, I'm a four or five or three, you know? That's the mindset that I have, and I got to keep having because at the end of the day, he's a, he's a new coach. I still got to do my job and to show him that I can play and give him trust. He's not going to just trust me because I was a starter last year. He's not, I have to build that trust with him. So I think with me, I'm just always competing throughout the whole season because you can lose your job no matter what, whenever. So I can't go out there thinking, oh, I just got it. Yeah. I got to keep going, keep pushing, you know. Well, you're a guy that obviously can self-motivate, keep a chip on your shoulder to help you kind of work harder and push harder. And, I, and maybe you don't care about this, but because BYU was picked to finish 11th out of 14 teams in the Big 12, how do you – view that from the preseason prognostications they hate me <laughs> but BYU always an underdog like that's just how it's been every year we always get picked to lose no matter how high ranked we are or whatever it is like that's just that's just it so I, I think for me I'm like I'm used to it. I don't really even look at it no more I'm like yeah same old same old and then we go out and play and then we finish 11 or 20th or whatever it is and it's like oh they were good and it's like all right Keep that over there. Y'all just hating. <laughs> so we're going to keep it. We're just going to keep it pushing. Like, whatever they say, they can say. That's just opinions. And the only opinion that Deion said the best, the only opinion that matters is yours. So I ain't got to worry about what they're thinking. So. Malik, I'm, I'm getting some serious mature vibes from you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like mature vibes, okay? I've okay. been here for a minute, huh? <laughs> I like this. But, you know, back in May, I'm not going to call them immature days, but younger years, we – you you made a play for Wingstop, and it oh, kind yeah. it, it happened right. 
So what can I do for you this year? Like, is there is there a restaurant that we need to like mm. hook up with? <laughs> is there a food you're craving mm. right now? Maybe it's just BYU Creamery and the Cougar Tail Donuts. I don't know, man. What hey, what do you want? What I want? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I said five guys in the interview too. So I mean, <laughs> if y'all if y'all trying to throw that <laughs> throw that bag of fries at me, come on. <laughs> it don't matter. So. Like That's really shoot your shot, right? Hey, shoot or shoot. Yeah, you shoot. You miss every shot you don't shoot. <laughs> Malik, we appreciate the insight yeah, and the information, my friend. Great to talk to you don't as always. Like no maple. All right, sorry. I, no more smelling like maple. Apparently, I smell like maple in this interview. Go eat, man. I'm hungry. We gone. I was, I was standing right by you, and I could smell it as well. I don't know where it was coming from, but it smelled delicious. <laughs> it smelled like a freshly... Baked batch of cougar tail donuts. Like, literally, that's what it smelled like. To probably. Me. Well, it smelled like maple syrup, but yeah, maybe it was the maple on the. Anyways, we should probably acknowledge this graphic. Uh, the safeties. Okay, yeah, Malik and Micah Harper look like starters, right? Ethan Slade and uh, Taylor Offrey is the backups there. This is the group who's been here for a couple of years. And Malik broke his hand, redshirted last year after the four games. Mike got a lot of good experience there. Former corner, only freshman on that 2020 yeah. defense. So yeah, there's there's some talent there. Certainly the, the depth needs to be there as well should there be inevitably injuries. Safeties get hurt. Like they're up there in the box sometimes. They're roaming all over. They're making hits. They're uh, uh, creating havoc. Yeah. So hopefully that group can continue to uh, deliver. So a few years back, uh, at the time, it was, I believe, Elisa Tuiaki uh, who said it. But he kind of said the safety position kind of needs to be like a superhero. For BYU football, because they have to, they have to do nice, a lot of things, uh, and so yes, yeah. I, I got my Captain America shaker bottle here because there you go. I feel like the safety position. I agree with Coach Tuiaki. Like they're asked to do so much and be super versatile, especially in this BYU defense. Certainly with Coach Tuiaki's defense, because he had him doing a lot of different things. That's not going to change under Jay Hill. Like. The safeties are going to be asked to do a lot of different things, whether you know it's nickel and disguising things. And Malik said, like, this defense we, we need to know everything. We truly need to be the quarterbacks of the defense. Yeah. So it's a lot to ask. Let's go. I think Malik's up for the challenge. Okay, Saturday, check out the number 13 BYU women's soccer team. They play Rutgers tonight, and then they come back home and play Idaho State in the final exhibition game. You can watch this one on BYU TV and ESPN Plus, 9 Eastern Saturday night. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from Studio B. Shep and Dave with you. One of the big transfer portal additions for the BYU defense was former Weber State cornerback Eddie Heckard. The Las Vegas native earned All-American honors last season and will be relied upon this year to help lead the Cougar defense. Earlier this week, our own Spencer Linton caught up with Heckard after practice. Eddie, a few days ago at practice, your friend Keanu Hill specifically pointed you out as the defensive back corner that he loves to go up against the most. Yeah. And citing that you make him better and he probably helps you get better too. What, what is it like to go against this core of BYU receivers in practice on the daily? Uh, it's, it's great for me because I get a lot of different types of receivers in everyone I go against. Uh, 
you know, Cody is a finesse receiver. Um, I didn't play against him in the spring, but playing against him in this uh, this fall camp has been good to get to get get to uh, work more patience with him, just because I know how savvy he is and in getting into his routes. Keanu, a bigger receiver, where I might have to use some of my strength um, and stay more patient as well. Chase is a, a receiver that could run. We got Darius, who's a receiver that could do like a lot of things. Um, he could run. He could getting out of breaks fast we got parker that's super fast uh and we got keelan he i mean he's i think he's versatile as well to where he could beat you deep or get get out of a break faster than a db so i think with this receiving court i just think uh i'm getting the best work i could be getting like around, like anybody in the country i don't think they have as deep as a receiver core as this as far as how versatile like the whole group is yeah not everybody wants to be a defensive back Eddie because often it's an underappreciated position it takes a certain level of swagger to go out there and do that so what is it about your mentality and your experience that makes you feel like especially in this defense now where they're going to be like you're on an island Eddie you're out there alone you're doing your thing we need you to step up how do you handle that pressure and, and work through that um just trusting in what I put in like the work I put in like since I've gotten here, since I've been playing football, you know, like you you just got to take that, take it with full confidence and uh, and just uh, go out. And, and at DB, it's for sure a confidence thing. Like you can't go out there second-guessing yourself, worried about the last play, anything. And especially in the Big 12, you can't worry about if you got scored on last drive, you got to just go with the next play. And I think uh, like – this upcoming season like it's it's big for like to just have that swag and confidence like and not care about what happened last play rather it was good or bad like even if you made a good play you know it's next play because they're coming yeah, yeah. this cornerbacks room and I, I talked to Gennaro Guilford recently and, and he kind of focused on relying heavily on you and Jacob and Mo Bamba to kind of step up and, and be the leaders and it's you three primarily as as the main guys but because there is more pressure on you um, and you have to be on the field longer, how, how has that changed your preparation through camp, knowing that, okay, I, I might not be able to get subbed out as quickly. I'm going to be on the field for a long time. Uh, I would say I'm kind of used to it because at Weber State, I play every snap of the game unless it was a blowout. So, uh, And I trust in, like, Sky, Coach Phyllis, and Kobe and everything that our strength guys put us through, like, to – have me uh, have the ability to play 100 players a game if I have to. Like, um, they, they've they been preparing us right. I'm, my body is the best it's felt since I've been playing, like, actual football games in college. Like, and I just feel comfortable with my speed and everything that they've got me ready to do. So um, I would say, like, I trust in, yeah, like our strength and conditioning staff and the, those – those uh, doctors in there, so yeah, for sure. I felt good. Um, I'm I'm ready to play a hundred a hundred plays. Yeah. We need to get everybody on the Eddie Heckard plan right now. Can we make that happen? What's that plan? <laughs> What's that plan? <laughs> the hundred plays a game plan. Oh, that. That's... Yeah, I mean, I just love football. I think if I mean, I I don't ever want to come off the field, especially, I mean, winning or losing. Like if we losing, I'm trying to come back and make a play. 
if we win it, I want to keep making plays. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to play how many plays it take. Yeah. Okay, two more quick questions. Uh, number one, what makes this cornerback's room uh, under Coach Guilford different than those that you have competed with at Weber State? Um, I see a lot of similarities, and um, I feel like we all, we all have something else different to offer in the room. Like, I feel like I'm more of the vet. I'm more like the backbone of the group. I feel like Jacob is more the savvy person, the one that, that has, like, all intangibles. He could do everything. Uh, he could tackle. He could cover. Maury is, like, the most athletic in the group. Like, he can run, jump. He, he can make that big play for you. And we got Cam as well. Cam coming in. I, I've been playing with Cam for four years now. So Cam is just like the silent killer that's going to lock somebody down and probably not make as many plays, but his guy isn't going to catch the ball. So, I mean, what what else can you ask from a corner like that? So, yeah, I think like even with our corner group, we're versatile as well as far as what, what we need. And, you know, the coach, Coach Hill and Coach Guilford, they're going to, it could help us put match us up on uh, different receivers we play around the conference. Okay, finally, your coach told me that if he was put in a series right now in his current physical state, speaking of Coach Guilford, yeah. he said, I could give you one elite high-level rep, and then I'm probably done for the rest of the game. He's like, right. maybe maybe three pretty good reps. Do you agree, you agree with that? He gets put in right now, one elite rep or, or three pretty good reps? One elite rep, probably not elite. <laughs> the word elite today is different than it was when he was playing. I think, I think uh, he probably could get some good reps just because he's coaching it. Like he got a lot, a lot of wisdom, and he gonna know what he uh, the techniques he's been coaching. But elite is hard today. It's a lot of elite players out there, and it ain't easy. Yeah. Eddie, great to talk to you, man, and uh, good luck the rest of camp and into the season. Thank you. Thank you. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media. We've got Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and Threads so far. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer, he is Jerem. Let's roll out today's headlines. Good football training camp continues. Practice number eight today. The Cougs had a photo day yesterday, team activity at Top Golf. They're preparing for a closed scrimmage on Saturday. Also, Ben Bywater is named to the Butt Kiss Award preseason watch list for the best linebackers in the country. He's one of 51. He has led the Cougars in tackles his first two seasons here. Former BYU quarterback and a draft pick in the fifth round of the Minnesota Vikings, Jaron Hall, and his BYU teammate, Kairos Tonga, who is also with the Vikings, take on Jerem Seahawks. See! Do you care if the Vikings win tonight? No, I don't care about preseason games. No. So if you're care. cool if Jaron and Kairos just dominate. I want Jaren, yes, I want five touchdowns from Jaron and five sacks from Jaren. <laughs> Absolutely. Jaron will make his obvious professional debut in the preseason. You can watch the game, 10 Eastern, live on NFL Network. I love that he's got a BYU teammate up there in Cairo That's cool. as well. That's cool. That's awesome. Number 13, BYU women's soccer picked to win the Big 12 this morning in the coaches poll by a single vote over TCU, right above Texas. The Cougars play, or when I say vote, I mean point. Mm -hmm. uh, the Cougars play an unbroadcast exhibition at Rutgers tonight. 
7 Eastern. Rutgers was a five seed in the NCAA tournament last year. This is a tough exhibition game. Daniel Schneeman still doing his thing in AAA baseball. Had an RBI double last night for the Columbus Clippers. He has extended his hit streak to six games. He has been dynamite all season. And men's volleyball player Anthony Schiffon announces that he has transferred to UC San Diego. Those are today's headlines. Let's offer up some opinions. And whip it! Cougar Whip Around, presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. UCLA head coach Chip Kelly in football had some interesting ideas for the future of the sport. He said, quote, recently, Notre Dame is an independent in football, but they're in a conference for everything else. Why aren't we all independent for football? Take the 64 teams in Power 5, make that one division. Take the 64 teams in the Group of 5, make that another division. We play for a championship, they play for a championship, no one else gets affected. Our sport's different than everybody else. We only play once a week. Travel's not a big deal for football, but it's a big deal for the other sports. What do you think? My only concern here is football is the conduit and the channel for essentially the rest of the university sports to be able to function. So if you somehow separated football and all of those teams went independent and there was a break off from the NCAA, because I feel like you would have to break off from the NCAA to do this. They're essentially broken off in football already. The NCAA doesn't even run everything, they just get the money. Like, if there are no more conferences, it's just 64 teams like broken off. How does the funding work for the other sports within all of the other school programs? Like I that. think that sport could still separate and you'd still operate as BYU football still with BYU. I think that could still function from a financial I, see, standpoint. I think BYU would do it. He, I don't I know that all the other about schools a competitive would do it. Standpoint. You can't realistically undo the leagues, though. That ain't happening. How do you do that? By the way, independence, not that great. We, uh, <laughs> we, we know this. Not that great. <laughs> like, it was better than what we had, but it wasn't the best. We know. Speaking of independence, Brett McMurphy of the Action Network reporting that independent Notre Dame is pushing hard for the ACC to invite Stanford and Cal into the conference. Uh, explain the irony of this, Jerem. It's like your single friend going, yeah, yeah, you two should totally get married. It's like, well, are, why are you pushing me? <laughs> but, um, it, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. Notre Dame is such a powerful entity. They're the only team that could re reasonably do this at this time and still make enough money um, without being in a league. Yeah. It's a, I mean, if Alabama went independent, sure, they'd be fine too. But I mean, like, of everyone else who's not that interested to go into a, a league. Like, BYU tried it. BYU thought maybe it could be Notre Dame. And, yeah points like people thought that I don't think BYU felt that way I never felt that way like Notre Dame is in a league of its own in, in all reality yeah I, I like that analogy in fact I was thinking I'll take it one step further I thought of like Notre Dame is the marriage counselor who is single and like giving all this advice they've never been married right and it they've was never been married yes like, yes it wasn't like my spouse passed away deal it was like no I've not done that you don't know what but, it's like to be yeah. married how can you honestly give me marital advice like it just it feels weird but um and and you should know Pete Dammel reported that there have been significant roadblocks that have come into the discussion hmm. like it just there's a lot to overcome if Cal and Stanford are to join the ACC what are your expectations for Jaren Hall tonight Three drives at least, I hope. I hope I hope it's more. Like, I would love to see Jaron play an entire half, and I, and I hope that that is, yeah, three or more drives just to see him. I bet he will, dude, because Nick Mullins uh, has some NFL experience. Yeah. I would think that Nick would come in first, and then Jaron would come in and, and play the rest of the game. I just want to see Jaron play a full half. Maybe they'll throw a fourth quarterback. And hopefully that half includes more three or more drives. Yeah, I, I would love to see a bunch of Jaron Hall tonight.
That'd be awesome. I expect him to utilize his legs and for the commentators to be like, yeah. oh, he's a dual threat guy. Like I that's going to happen. I would, although I want, don't want that stereotype per se. Like just show me what you are, which Jaron Hall is an efficient passer who takes care of the ball, who can use his legs if he needs to at times. Like he's more peak Russell Wilson like sure. abilities. The Russell Wilson comparison is fair. Not from last year, but um, <laughs> other years, yes. <laughs> like he has that potential to be like a Russell Wilson. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch Jaron totally. compete. Absolutely. I will be dialed in for sure. I hope he plays way more than Zach did. Yeah, yep. Zach didn't play. Zach didn't play Zach only threw Three five passes. Drives. I hope Jaron gets to throw 10 plus passes. Please. Yeah. Up next, BYU men's basketball has a brand new director of strength and conditioning and sports science. It's Michael Davey. Why did he leave Giannis and the Bucks to come to Provo and BYU? Go. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It is Top 5 Tuesday back, featuring baby. the top five plays against Arizona, Utah, and Arizona State, the three newest members of the Big 12, specifically from weeks one to three in the BYU football 2021 season. All wins for the Cougars. Let's go. Number five, Neil Pau against Arizona 2021. This is in Allegiant Stadium. Jaron Hall, now the starter after Zach Wilson. Deep to Neil. 67 yards for the touchdown. The yeah. Cougars took a 14-3 lead. They had a second touchdown later. BYU won that 24-16. At number four to the Arizona State game, the third of these three, Max Tooley. Oh, how about the diving pick? Picks it up off the turf or just before it hits the turf, that is. The game was tied 7-7 in the second quarter. This was a major game changer. Great athletic play with Peyton Wilgar making the big hit and Thule finishing the deal with the interception. More from this game later. Number three, Utah. Defensive fourth down stop. On fourth and two inside the 10, the Cougars stopped the Utes from getting any points on that drive. And that was big in this game as, oh, of man. course, BYU ended the nine-game losing streak. Nice uh, job by Peyton Wilgar, Ben Bywater, Uriah, Leotella, and others. Ah, uh, yes. The Uriah crash, had the to crash go down. home and get ready for church. Number two, Samson Nakua. Yes. Jaron Hall, touchdown, Nakua. Right before halftime against Utah. Oh, my gosh. This moment, Jaron, it just... It kind of set the tone for the remainder of the game. This was like a major turning point along with that fourth down stop. Yes. Nakua, by the way, caught touchdowns uh, for Utah and BYU in this rivalry what, yeah, series. Yeah, what, what a wild situation there for <laughs> Cougars, of course, as Jeremy just mentioned, win 26-17. That was a massive, massive play. And number one is Tyler Algiers' punch out against Arizona State. BYU's up 21-17 late in the third, but Arizona State gets the pick. Merlin Robertson Whee! can't summon a spell because Tyler Algier punches the ball out and Jared Hall ran down to recover the it. The Pac-12's gonna survive! No, it's not! <laughs> Unbelievable play. Like, I think, I think, we haven't figured this out, Spence, but I think that's a top 10 play in BYU history. Oh, man. It's I definitely think, top 20. I think it's definitely that top 20. Because that's the Kyle Morrell of the mod, uh, play of the modern era. It really is. Oh and it came goodness. from an offensive player. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, the symbolism. It just, it's so great Crazy. In, that, in that play. Our question of the day. 
Would you like to see the Big 12 expand even beyond 16 teams? Are you good for now? Our Elite Voice of the Day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Ryan Lanning on Twitter says, The West is covered. Wait and see what the ACC does and add some good rivalries and travel partners for West Virginia and UCF if possible. Uh, fingers crossed for Miami, he I, says. I feel you. Quick correction, by the way. Oklahoma has five Davey O'Brien's BYU four. Second for Brigham. Don't let facts get I'll in the way it. of a better story, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. We want to mention Kevin Brown, the Orioles broadcaster, yes. has been suspended for a simple comment he made about how the Orioles had won more games at Tropicana Field, home of the Rays, than they had the previous three seasons. That's ridiculous. You have to be able to say facts like that. I don't like that he was suspended. A lot of people are piling on there, including us right now. Am I going to be suspended because I just mentioned that Pittsburgh's been a thorn in the side for BYU women's volleyball? That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.